0: In the 1880s, a very successful, relatively still young pastor named uh, A.B. Simpson, he uh, had a very prestigious church that he was, he was the pastor of, 13th Street Presbyterian Church in New York City. He was making a very handsome salary in those years, in those days, for a pastor, and, uh, and he was uh, fairly well-known. He was kind of a big deal in New York City. But he got struck with a passion to reach what the scriptures call the least of these. And so he began going to the um, docks where mostly the latest wave of immigrants at that time were Italians coming into New York City. And so he began to go down to the docks on his lunch hour and reach out to the Italian immigrants that were working there. And he would invite them back to his swanky church on 13th Street in New York City. As you can imagine, that didn't go over tremendously well with a lot of people in his swanky church in New York City. Sometimes missions is something better appreciated when it's over there and not in here. And um, Simpson's passion to reach people far from God was so strong that he gave up his church and said, this is my highest priority right now. And he began what was supposed to merely be a movement of Christians, called what would become to known, be known as the Christian Missionary Alliance, where essentially believers in America would fund overseas missions. And the movement took off. There are 10 times as many believers, CMA believers, overseas than there are in America. And yet, as you know, there's Christian Missionary Alliance churches all around. We are a Christian Missionary Alliance church. And I love the denomination because it was never meant to be a denomination. It provides wonderful oversight but most of all, it provides fuel for missions, for reaching, in our church's case, the 96,176 people that live within one town of this church that don't have any kind of real relationship with Jesus. That's what we do. That's who we are. And this bug catches on with people. It's caught on in, through beyond the walls. That's why hundreds of you have gone uh, to Guatemala with us and worked in the garbage dump. And that's why we continue to see the Holy Spirit tap on people's shoulders in our church and call them out to the missions field. You just met Dan. He's one of them. We have a picture here of Brian and Michelle Davis that we can put up. Brian ran the youth ministry here uh, for years at Mendham Hills. His mom served on staff here at Mendham Hills. He and Michelle now run Envision in New York City, which is a Christian Missionary Alliance um, mission site. And what they do is there is a diaspora coming in from both West Africa and from Muslim, uh, Muslim countries, uh, Arabic-speaking nations, they live right there amongst all of those folks, and they have learned to speak these languages. And uh, Brian and Michelle minister to these folks right there in New York City. Brian and Michelle are back here for m- many of our mission Sundays. Um, they are part of us, and we are funding them. You are funding them. That is the fruit each and every month. Tim and Renske Berry. And they're an ever-expanding family. Every time I put a picture up of them, there's another child in it. Um, the Berry family just continues to grow and prosper. As you know, Tim was, uh, Tim was our worship pastor here for five years. I think six years, actually, at Mendham. And he and his wife have left to go to England, where they are planting a church in Wolverhampton. And that church is doing extremely well. They gathered in the name of the Lord about five hours ago, just like us. And so, we were able to also um, fund, out of your additional giving this year, uh, special gifts for for all of these folks. Finally, there is our special guest speaker this morning, Sean McLean, who we invited to come back because it was two years ago that he was here, and he was called, he and his wife were called to go overseas to Germany to plant a church, not to plant a church, he'll tell you what he's up to over there. But friends, would you please see what the Lord is doing with your generosity? These things either happen or don't because of you. so I want to thank you as I ask you to thank Sean as he comes up and tells us, shows us, the fruit of your generosity. Sean, would you come up?
1: Hi. Uh, It's always crazy to come and do this because I see pictures of people like Brian Davis and I sit next to Dan Hutton and I think about how Dan and I were in youth group here together, uh, not just in youth group, but from the time that we were two or three until college years and Brian Davis was one of our small group leaders. Uh, So it's like crazy, really crazy. I I wanna start by doing something that I heard a lot of missionaries do here over the years as I was growing up, which is this. Guten Morgen, Mendham Hills Community Church und viele freundliche Grußen aus Waren Deutschland. Which means, good morning, Mendham Hills Community Church and many warm, friendly greetings from Waren Germany where I get to serve with my family. Uh, As Pastor John said, my wife Susie and I and our two kids uh, have been Uh, So Ian and Maisie, who are now eight and five. We've been serving with the Alliance in Northeast Germany since January of 2022. We're on a team of two other families and we do serve as church planters. So we joined in with a church planting effort uh, that was going on there. And that's our job. Our job is to help this church in Germany start, but that's not where our vision ends. Our vision is to plant new churches all throughout Northeast Germany so that people from every town and every city have the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit this morning as I go along about kind of why Northeast Germany and how we're doing that, how that's unfolding. It's uh, a joy to get to say thank you in person. Uh, for your investment, for your generosity. Uh, the, the investment that this church has made in a lot of ways is not just been instrumental in my spiritual journey personally, uh, but it's continuing to, to be an instrumental part of the ministry that I get to be a part of today. Uh, in addition to helping launch us onto the field and supporting my family on a regular basis so that we can be a missional presence in Northeast Germany, as Pastor John mentioned. Um, I don't do you like to go by Pastor John or just John? Just John, okay. I was trying to be respectful. Um, (laughs) I'll stop. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Um, (laughs) So yeah, as John mentioned, uh, you all gave a lot of you give to us individually, and you all gave uh, over and above what normally you support us with uh, to be a part of a building project uh, that we've been been doing. We're not building something new, but as our church plant, which is called the Internationale Gemeinde Varen, the International Church of Varen, um, has been growing, we for a long time we're meeting, or for a couple years it was meeting in a local community center, um, but. Your gift has allowed us to uh, rent our own space and begin setting that up to create a permanent, uh, visible, and I think more credible presence in the community in which we serve. And I wanna show you a few pictures of this investment because uh, just like the Berries in England, our church was meeting just five or six hours ago, uh, right on the top floor of this building, which is centrally located in our town. It's within walking distance of around 10,000 people. Uh, It's a work in progress. We're building out things like a kitchen. We're building Ikea furniture uh, and even laying new floors. And all of this is adding up to us being able to do things like this. We have a dedicated kids space, which is a huge thing. Uh, in In the churches that do exist in Northeast Germany, something dedicated for kids is unheard of. And so this is like a really, really big deal. We do brunch together as a church family every week. And so you can imagine on this, these countertop things, uh, a a really cool German brunch spread laid out so that we can share together in community uh, in addition to our church service. And this is where our people were meeting just a few hours ago. And uh, you have been a huge part of making this a reality. Before this, when we were meeting in the community center, we were having to break down and set up every week, which is not an unusual thing for church plants to have to do, wasn't the biggest deal. The bigger struggle was that on a regular basis, we were getting the boot, uh, telling, getting told that our services needed to be, our service needed to be canceled um, in favor of another event that was going on or once or twice because there was an event on Saturday and they didn't wanna clean up uh, enough for us to be able to use the space the next day. So, not only does this space allow us to meet regularly, to be a consistent presence, which is a really big deal, um, now we're beginning to be able to expand the ministry that we're doing in our community. We're able to offer midweek things that we weren't able to offer before. Uh, We're hoping in the next couple months to launch an Awana Kids program, uh, which is a a kids Bible study, uh, verse learning memorization uh, program. And something designed specifically for kids is again a rarity in our community, whether it's spiritual or not. we're also hopefully gonna be launching a youth ministry. Just about a month ago, we launched a men's and women's Bible studies. So all of these things are really exciting for a church of about 50 or 60 people, almost all of whom do not know Jesus, are not believers. And so because of this space, they're getting more opportunities to be exposed to the good news of the gospel. And when you say yes to God, that's what he does. God does incredible things when you say yes to going, when you say yes to giving or praying to partnership. I wanna read for you the last handful of verses uh, from the series that you've been in on generosity out of 2 Corinthians 9. This is the service, or this service that you perform is not only supplying for the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift." because you have said yes to God, because you're part of a missional community here at Mendham that says yes to God, this generous and joyful giving that you participate in, the result is, again, not just enabling us to live and work in Varen, uh, but it is allowing ministry to happen that has the result of people turning to God and praising him. And this morning, I want to show you how it's not just about a physical space. It's, it's not just about the concrete things, but it's what, allow, what that allows to happen. Uh, two and a half weeks ago, uh, my teammate, Ben Carey, and I sat down to study the Bible in this room uh, for the first time. I think it'll come up on the screen. This is in our space. Um, for the first time with four German men that are a part of our community uh, that have almost no background at all with the church, um, certainly not with Jesus so we cracked open the book of Luke thinking we were going to have an easy time of it you know, starting a gospel, simple and right away the question started flying uh, why are we starting, you know, Luke is here why are we starting in the middle of this book like what happened all back here uh, there's all of these names mentioned here in, in, in this first few lines of the book who are these people, do I need to know about them should I know about them Uh, It it says that this one guy is a priest. What's a priest? Like a Catholic priest? Uh, Who even wrote this book? And and not just the book of Luke, but like who wrote this book? How did this come to be? What is this book? Um, In kids' church a few weeks back, uh, my wife Susie was teaching uh, a story about one of Jesus' miracles, only to realize that the kids that she was talking to didn't know the word for miracle in their language. As she was using it and describing it, they were thinking, you just, you mean like a surprise? That must mean surprise. Words like miracle, blessing, grace, uh, things that are commonplace even for people that don't have faith in an American context are like a brand new language for people in Northeast Germany. And the statistics really back up that reality. Uh, This is a map of uh, religious identification in Germany as of, uh, I think, a 2011 census. The the black and gray areas represent spaces where 70, 80% or more people have no belief in God whatsoever. And this is where we live. The the red is kind of the more, like the red and the dark blue is is more and more Protestant and Catholic. Um, In Northeast Germany, where we live, since that census was taken, the trend has continued of irreligiosity. Uh, of, of disconnection from spiritual things. Meaning that only a small percentage of people believe in God at all. Less than half of a percent of people would say they have a relationship with Jesus. One study that was done about a decade ago could not find one person under the age of 28 that believed in God. Now, how could that be, you might be thinking? Isn't this Germany? Isn't this the land of Luther a- and the, the Protestant Reformation? Well, Dr. Stanley John, formerly of Alliance Theological Seminary, now he's a professor with Asbury Theological Seminary, uh, recently said in a seminar that I attended that any place on earth is just two or three generations away from becoming an unreached people group again. And that's the story of East Germany. And I wanna tell you a little bit about that story. You see, for over 50 years following the Second World War, this part of Germany was divided from the West was part of the Soviet Union. It was called the Deutsche Democratic Republic or the German Democratic Republic. And while the, there was a government-run state church that still exists today, that was allowed to stay open during this time. But despite that, all religion was actively suppressed during that time. And this part of Germany would eventually really be cut off from the Western world altogether. In fact, you know, you might know of the Berlin Wall and the strong border throughout the rest of Germany separating East from West, meaning that they were cut off even from Western influences or anything outside of the, the, the communist environment that they found themselves in. We've had friends that we've met in this part of the, the country, in our town where we live, tell us that to be an East German is to be an atheist. Those things are one and the same. A friend of mine who grew up in that period recalled to me rather sadly that his parents actively discouraged him from, and really forbid him, from uh, becoming friends with this family that went to church. Because the church is, I can't use the language in church <laughs> that uh, they use to describe the church. One of our very few Christian friends from the area that, that grew up in, uh, actually after the wall came down, uh, and after Germany was reunited, remembers that, that they were bullied and, and even really persecuted just for expressing joy as they were going to school. And in contrast to the picture of joyful giving and generosity that you've been talking about over the last few weeks, up until only very recently in, uh, in Germany, there was a mandatory church tax Uh, Meaning that if you were going to be part of the church, before you saw your paycheck, the government took 10% out and, and gave that to the church. A forced tithe. Now, as you can imagine, that didn't encourage people to want to go to church. In fact, when we invite people to our church, very often the first question they ask is, well, how much do I have to pay in order to come? It's a great picture of how forced generosity doesn't lead to life and light in the way that joyful giving does. And so, in so many ways, Northeast Germany is a spiritual desert. And and, and the results of this aren't simply that people don't know a few Bible stories or that they don't know the word for miracle. But the effects are, are tangible. You can feel them. It's a dark place in a lot of ways. There is an extremely high level of depression and hopelessness. I would say even a spirit of suicide. There is the the number of of broken families uh, drinking among teens all the way up and smoking and self-destructive behaviors and on and on and on the list goes. It could be really overwhelming. Every place is just two or three generations away from becoming lost. And yet, God is at work. And yet, God doesn't leave spiritual deserts alone. In fact, they're often where he becomes the most active. Spiritual deserts were a reality for Israel on a number of of occasions. The very chosen people of God, we read over and over again in the Old Testament of of seasons where they totally forgot about God, even forgetting about their, their holy scriptures altogether for different seasons. And yet, over and over again, God sends people to bring new life into those deserts. He raised up judges. He raised up prophets. We read about guys like Daniel when Israel was in exile, a voice and a leader for for the the Jewish people in that season. God sends people to bring life into spiritual deserts. During that period of Israel's exile, uh, when they were captive in Babylon, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah saying this, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. There there are some other translations that say rivers of water in the desert. God brings new life into spiritual deserts, and he does it very often by sending people. Of course, the ultimate example of this is Jesus himself, who came to show us God in flesh to make God known to people who had been in a period of 400 years of of silence from God's voice in, in some ways. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why he came, to bring life into spiritual deserts. But Jesus didn't stop there. He also said, as God has sent me, so am I sending you. God invites his people to say yes to him in a variety of ways so that he can bring life into, into dry places. Giving, going, praying, being the presence of God, carrying the presence of God into the dry places around you. Soon after the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1980, uh, the late 1980s, God moved in the heart of Alliance leadership, our church family, to send workers into East Germany. They started in Berlin and planted a church there, but as I said before, the vision was never just for one place. And so in 2012, God pressed upon the hearts of our teammates, Ben and Sarah. They responded to God's invitation to say, and said yes to be the first to move out from Berlin further and deeper into the desert, into the town of Varen. And they began simply to make an impact on the community by being present. They didn't go and, and throw up their church building and... Uh, uh, kind of say, here we are, they found ways to bless and love the community. They, they met practical needs, teaching English, uh, doing things like an international cooking class, class in English, giving people the opportunity to come and learn a very practical language that is gonna help them in their lives. Um, They launched a youth group in partnership with another ministry that I I don't think exists anymore. Uh, Fast forward a a few years and God sends some more workers. Our teammates, Kenny and Carissa Young, respond to God's call and say yes to go into this spiritually dry place. And then uh, they launch a church. It begins meeting in a living room and then moves to a community center. More and more people gather. And then I've showed you where we are Today. In 2022, we, God gave us the grace and the ability to say yes to that call as well. But all along the way, there were churches like this one and people like you saying yes. And I can tell you it makes a difference. For sure, the giving makes a difference. But the the, the prayer and honestly, just the knowledge that you're behind us, that you're for us, when we feel cut off from the body of Christ so often, to know that there's people like you that are here worshiping and, and investing your lives has a huge impact. And I wanna tell you a couple stories of, of how all of this, how that investment, how you're saying yes and the, our team saying yes and others saying yes to God is bringing life into this spiritually dry place. Because going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the result of this service that you perform is that people are turning and praising God, and I've seen it. Uh, one woman, I'm gonna call her Laura, I'm not gonna use real names, uh, met our team back in March of 2022. She was invited, along with the three ladies on our team, to go to uh, a dinner to celebrate International Women's Day. It's a big big deal in Germany. Uh, and so this, this woman, Laura, got chatting with our teammate, Carissa, and my wife, Susie. And uh, uh, they, people always want to know, why are you here? what are you doing in Germany? There's, Or especially in Bayern, there's not a lot of Americans. So what are you doing here? And so they had the opportunity just to share a little bit about our church. And and this woman immediately said, which is very rare, okay, I wanna come. I wanna come and visit. Now it turns out that only a few months prior to this, both her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law within a couple months of each other took their own lives. And so she was in a place of seeking She was in a place of of looking for answers and trying to understand why. And is there more to life? Is there a bigger purpose? Is there hope? She began coming to church on Sundays and soon after that uh, responded to an invite from uh, Susie and our teammate, Carissa, to read the Bible every week together. And she, uh, at the end of last year, gave her life to Jesus and is continuing to lean in, meeting regularly. It's messy, but she's figuring out what it means to follow Christ step-by-step, to surrender more of her life to him. And I see her week after week after week, wrestling and seeking and searching and discovering new life. Her husband, as you could imagine, ravaged by depression after the loss of his mom and sister, has become another good friend, though he's much more resistant to faith, much more. Comes occasionally uh, on Sundays more as a support to what he calls his wife's club. Um, And yet this fall, we launched these men's and women's Bible studies and I reached out to him and I invited him and I said, hey, we're gonna get together every week and we're gonna read the Bible and we're gonna try to do some fun stuff together too. There's a very real need for authentic community. And so he said yes, and he's come every week. And two weeks ago, he said this, He held up his his borrowed copy of the Bible that he was using and he said, I don't know anything about any of this, but I'm here to see if just maybe this could change my life. Because of your generosity, because of your saying yes, because God's people responding to God's invitation Hope is being encountered in the midst of a spiritual desert. I'm going to tell you another story of Mateos. Also not his real name. His son is in the same preschool class as our daughter, Maisie, uh, and our teammate's daughter, Elsie. And he latched onto our families pretty quickly uh, because it was an opportunity for him to practice English. He has decent English, and so he wanted to, to practice and expand that. And so he would chat with us every, every day when we were doing school drop-off. And uh, uh, in December of last year, I was prepping my first ever talk in German. And when I say talk, I mean like a little five-minute sharing thing as part of Advent. And I was talking about the times in the, the Christmas story where the phrase do not uh, be afraid occurs. And I, I invited him to, I asked if he would just meet up with me and go over what I wrote and help me with my German. He said, sure, I'd love to help. And we met up for coffee. And he read through my notes. And he said, I have never heard anything like this. I've never heard anything like this. This is so interesting. But I can't come on Sunday. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't even extended the invitation to him and he said, nope, uh, I can't come on Sunday. I work on Sundays, can't do it, sorry. Well, Sunday rolls around and sure enough, he walks in the door. And I said, what are you, what's up? What, what are you doing here? Or I tried my best in German and uh, He said that just as he walked out of our coffee meeting a few days before, he got a call from his boss saying, hey, would you change your work shift? Uh, And so he said, yeah, my Sunday freed up, and I knew in that moment that God was telling me I needed to go to your church. And he has never stopped coming. Bringing along his two kids at first with him each week, though his wife uh, was saying she was supportive, he also struggles with depression, good for him, I'm not interested, I'm not coming, uh, in February, we, we ran an English camp for first through fourth graders, kind of a day camp. Um, and we, we uh, invited this man to come and be a translator for us, uh, to work with our team that, that joined us from the States uh, to put on this camp and he was gonna act as a, as a translator. Uh, so he spent the week rubbing shoulders with people who are carrying the presence of Christ with them. And he said to me a couple weeks afterward, I saw every day when we got together for our like pre-camp meeting, you know, at the beginning of the day to talk about what we were going to do, a different person prayed. And he said, I realized that that must mean I don't have to be a pastor or a priest to pray that I can pray. And so I've been praying every single day before I start my shift at work. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Just encountering the presence of God. That that same camp week, we did a time of of prayer and worship and sharing testimonies with our team that came from the States. Again, we invited our German helpers to come and be a part of it. And so he came and he made his wife come along too. That's what he said. I made her come. (laughs) By the end, she was in tears. He was in tears. They were both incredibly impacted by the obvious presence of the Holy Spirit and the testimonies that were shared uh, by believers that day who had also struggled with depression. And even though they were still exploring this thing, they started listening to worship music at home. And they would always come up after church on Sunday and ask me for the music so that they could go and look up the songs. And they bought a kid's Bible and they started reading the Bible, the kid's Bible together every single day as a family at dinner time. Now about two months ago, we got a call from his wife that he was in a bad bike accident. He uh, had to be airlifted to a local hospital, wasn't wearing a helmet. We were relieved to find out later that that he was gonna be okay, didn't have any permanent damage, broke a bunch of bones in his face, needed surgery. But this, I had this sense, God is gonna use this somehow, I don't know how. Uh, Our church responded just by being kind. Uh, our team and our church community offered help, offered to do meals. They, their family said no over and over again, but they processed with me how nobody else has offered help and asked how we're doing the way that your community and what you guys have done. Susie and I got to go visit him in the hospital when he was in the hospital. We brought along his wife and his mom with us. It's about a 45 minute drive outside of our town. And it was a short visit, we prayed for him we went home, but it had a huge impact, not only on this man and his wife, but also on his mom, who, I didn't know this at the time, had repeatedly rejected offers from her, from her son to come with them to church. She has come every single week since his bike accident. Two weeks ago, we had a clear presentation of the gospel on Sunday morning at church. And this man and his wife and his two kids all said, we wanna be a part of this. We wanna follow Jesus. We wanna experience new life. And we're trusting that Oma is not gonna be far behind. These are just a few stories of how God is making rivers of life in the spiritual desert of Northeast Germany. There's a lot of other things I could talk about. Uh, We're continuing to work with refugees from Ukraine, giving them uh, a place of worship, a place of community uh, for these displaced families, many of whose dads are still in Ukraine because they're not allowed to leave. And so we essentially have all these single moms and their kids and they're coming uh, regularly as part of this kind of crazy church community that we've gotten to build. God is doing something new. God is making streams, rivers in the desert. And it's beautiful to see how God is doing it through his people. God uses you, God uses us, God uses our yes to accomplish this. This is what God does. And and I think it's important to remember that this is a work of God. Only God can do this. And just as God has sent us, God is sending you. Because I wanna remind you that like we've seen in our context, The impact of this, you carry the presence of God with you into the dry places that you experience and that you're a part of on a regular basis. Any place, including this place, could be just two or three generations away from being an unreached people group, meaning having little to no access to the gospel. But God wants to speak into that. God wants to use you God wants to use your generosity, not just in giving, that's huge, but in living generously. And that's my challenge and encouragement to you today. Live generously. Be the presence of Christ to the people around you. In a lot of ways, we're not doing anything all that fancy. We're we're having people in our home, we're, we're meeting with people, we're just talking to people. You have neighbors, there are dry places around you. There's people that you rub shoulders with every day that will maybe only have the opportunity to hear about Jesus and about the new life that he offers through you. Be present, be the presence of Christ. And I can tell you from my experience that it's worth it. I remember years ago, my youth pastor saying this to me here in this place. That Jesus is worthy, and he's worth it. He's worth the investment. He's worthy of all that we have to give. And I can tell you, when you get to be a part of stories like the ones I've told today, where you get to see people, many of whom for the very first time discovering new life, it's worth it. Let me pray for you. God, I'm grateful for this community. I'm grateful for the light and life that this place represents in this community. God, I pray that you would send your spirit into this place to fill your people, to bring life into the deserts here. I pray that you would continue to use the the yes that is given by those here, the yes to your invitation to, to go and to give and to serve and to be your presence. God, would you give them the blessing, it's not always a guarantee that we're gonna see crazy things, but I pray that you would give them the blessing of seeing you at work, you transforming lives, you setting people free, you bringing new life into dry places. In Jesus' name, amen.